Are you on the RCR mailing list? Never miss a beat of the news and hard-hitting stories you've come to know and love. Stay in the loop. Visit realitycheck.radio forward slash email. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is Cameron Tukapua, and we are going to be talking about sovereignty and connecting to the connecting heart and mind. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Thank you. I'm very honored and uh, delighted to be here. Thank you. So I'll do a very quick shout out to a previous guest from a few weeks ago. We had the beautiful uh, Brian Burneyman, so calm, so wise, and he connected us and he's the reason you're here with me today. So it's such an honor to have Cameron here. If you guys are listening and you haven't heard of Cameron Tukapua before, she is a well-being coach, passionate about empowering people to know and heal themselves. She's been studying and practicing Chinese medicine for four decades and was the owner-director of NZQA Registered Acupuncture College. Cameron helps people connect the heart and mind to make sense of their worlds and align with their own knowing. Sovereignty, as you may know, is a hot topic of conversation in today's world, and Cameron introduces how to claim our sovereignty by listening to the heart. In Chinese medicine, the heart is known as the supreme ruler. Through the heart, we are awake, to what's happening around us and aware of what's happening within us, our thoughts and emotions. Bringing the outer and inner worlds together, we create a sense of balance and order for our lives. In the last three to four years, there's been a lot of out of order activities, all hard to integrate, and this disturbs the heart, the mind and thinking as many ways and many of us are now affected. To reclaim the balance of heart and mind, it's helpful to be aware of the big picture and see where we are on the map at this time of the collective breaking down to break through, listening to our own truth and showing up in the shift we want to see is medicine. Cameron believes we can all be the healers and we can all help each other. I absolutely agree. I'm so thrilled to dive into all of these topics today, and I know my audience will be happy to hear about them. Before we dive in too much, I know you and I just connected. It has been a what are, what are the words? Uh, challenging, fascinating time that we've all been navigating. How have the last three years, well, it's probably four now, four years now, how have they been for you personally? I think uh, one of the biggest things is um, very confronting. Like, you know, as a Kiwi who's grown up in this country and spent um, most of my life living here, I'm used to feeling protected and I'm used to feeling like there's nothing really in this country that's going to threaten me. Like we don't have poisonous snakes. We don't have spiders. We don't have, you know, things in the ocean that are going to, oh, well, obviously if you're surfing a bit, you might get a shark, but we don't really have things in our immediate environment that threaten our safety. And uh, it's been really confronting as a healthcare professional to recognize that has now come into the sphere of healthcare. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here in my clinic today. I've just seen someone, you know, right before this interview who brought me in a photograph of somebody's head that had been opened up to remove a tumor in the brain. And I'm seeing this kind of thing often people bringing me images and stories from their people, their friends who are having, you know, rather extreme uh, medical events that we didn't used to hear so much about, you know, regular skin conditions such as shingles and mm. scabies and psoriasis and sudden death due to heart attacks, strokes, um, all these disorders of the circulatory system. And it's so in our face in uh, healthcare yeah. um, services. And uh, I find it just so confronting that this is happening right in, in my world. So adjusting to that's been massive. And at the same time, it's also um, I see it as part of our collective wake-up call there's so much that's been offline for, you know, a couple of decades now, two or three maybe. 
and uh, we all need to be, you know, woken up. And um, many of us are waking up as a response to the intensity of this shout, this call out. And I think that's the upside of that, and that's mm. a conversation that I like to encourage wherever I can. It's interesting because I, I I imagine it is very confronting for you, and I do know a lot of people in the health industry, particularly holistic health, and they, like you, have people coming left, right, and center with all of these things. But there's other people as well who have totally moved on, and it's not in their face, and it's not confronting because all they think about is, well, the protest was a while ago, and like they've really moved on. How do we, how do we navigate that when some people just, it's, it's not a day-to-day issue for them at all. Well, I, th- I think we can't do so much about other people's experience, but we can absolutely take the reins of our own. And what's helps me is taking the heart's eye view. So in Chinese medicine, we recognize that the heart is the supreme ruler of consciousness. And it is our personal link to divine awareness, you know, the, the ultimate um, unity consciousness, which is above everything. So, you know, behind everything that happens to us, there's an order unfolding. And when we have our hearts awake and a little bit open, we can sort of rise up and recognize, okay, what's the big picture here? That people, those people don't see it because they're, Reality structure is based on, you know, where they live and, you know, the kind of car they drive and how much money they got in the bank and, you know, what they do on a day-to-day level and their security and their sense of self-identity is based on all these physical things you can touch and see. So their consciousness is really focused on, you know, what they touch and see. So if it doesn't come into their daily domain they're not seeing it and for a lot of people you know again I go back to you know I'm a Kiwi born you know third generation farming family daughter you know like I grew up pretty grounded and um, innocent you know the people in this country you know I'm 62 years young and the people in this country who were born in the 60s and 70s had a pretty innocent you know, beginning to life. The 80s, it all started getting more money-oriented and business, and then the 90s and onwards, it's been insane. That's my observation. (laughs) And so, you know, we've moved further and further away from wholeness and well-being as an orientation and more and more towards uh, a money-driven paradigm and business uh, organized cultures, you know, owning everything, including councils and governing systems now. So we're just a long way away from our innocent beginning. And the true nature of ourselves as people is that we are innocent, we are divine, we are like babies, you know, we're quite pure. That's who we are at heart. And yet, experiences that we have along the way in our lives you know we we get these coverings around the heart and we we don't really necessarily identify ourselves as being that so we have hurts and we shut down and we cover up and we sort of move on based on the plan of our lives you know what we want to achieve and what we're the goals and all that sort of thing and if we're driven that way you know something interrupts that plan and we just get a bit annoyed for it for a while and then we just carry on back with that kind of orientation to life like going after our plan our goal you know and yet um, people who are more heart-based they're aware of the relational context of life you know like who I am in relationship to who's in my community how is this situation affecting all the people Mm. you know and one of the um, sort of um, ways we can look at the health of a society is how do we take care of the sick, the young and the elderly? How do we care for these people that can't care for themselves? So when we're not honoring the elders, when we're not honoring the, the well-being as a whole thing, um, we're off track 
We're not honoring our wholeness. So for a long time, and I've watched this develop. So in I started practicing in the mid-80s. So that's when we medicalized on happiness. So mm-hmm. prior to that, there was very few uh, medications for anxiety, depression, all that sort of thing. They just those pills weren't didn't exist. <laughs> and then, you know, now we've kind of made it normal that if someone's a little depressed or uptight, they go and they they get something to relieve yeah. their their stress. So that's a good indicator that the collective distress of humanity has sort of reached epidemic proportions that we can't manage our life without a little something to take the edge off it. Do you think part of that is an increase in the levels of anxiety, um, things like that, and or is it that people, it's like they rather than asking themselves, ooh, interesting, like why am I so angry or what's the behind the what's behind the resentment or what's behind the sadness? So rather than diving into the source, they just want to like pop a pill? Yeah, and, and that's that's the culture that we've um, encouraged, you know, that, that culture has been normalized. So the popping the pillars seems like the quick fix and listening to ourselves and delving into what's going on underneath is is a slow burn. And we have to look at some stuff that might be hard to see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in our world today, we don't have much education about inner life. Our whole mainstream education system is based up on outer world, you know, like we study economics and we study science and we study maths and we study, um, you know, technology. So it's it's an all an outer uh, world focus. And now, you know, we're seeing the increase of the mindfulness movement, the yoga movement, uh, you know, eating good food, vegan, all of that, like, so that's come around again. And so that was kicking off in the 70s. We're back doing it again, which is awesome. And so it really does, you know, suggest that there is this collective shift and awakening to how do we use our minds? You know, how do we uh, listen to our own psyche, listen to our own awareness and learn how to steer that and learn how to relax the body if I'm uptight? I can do that for myself. So the self-empowerment movement, you know, the self-awareness movement, it's fully on the rise right now. And, yeah. and that's the upside of all of this. You know, like when we're under extreme pressure, we we wake up. And people who want to wake up are waking up faster now than ever before is my observation. I heard a you super know, cool so- term the other day. Um, Richard Barrett was talking about the term evolutionary intelligence. And how when we're when we are in a state of fear or we're presented with challenge, you know, in order to survive and hopefully thrive, we do need to evolve. So I feel like, yeah, we are, and a lot of us are evolving by diving more into the reflection and taking, as you said, this broader view of things, um, which is amazing. And so there are so many benefits coming, like people being woken up, as you say. So you talked about some people being more, I think the word was open-hearted. Um, do you feel like most everyone can be open-hearted. Some people are more, I guess, like you said, focused on the things that they can see and touch. How can we all become more open-hearted? Or to rephrase, how can we connect to our heart and mind if we want to? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So um, I've spent a few years thinking about this. (laughs) And I said to someone this morning, I think I finally, you know, I feel like I've been stumbling in the dark for years and years. And I finally feel like I I can name what it is that I'm wanting to deeply understand for myself and to be able to share and and pass forward. And I've come to the understanding that uh, the heart is the home of awareness, you know. So awareness is like the sun in the sky. It's above everything and it can see everything. It's got the highest view. So it's got the highest perspective. So the heart's perspective is the highest expectation perspective it's expansive it's allowing it's accepting it's all seeing and in contrast the thinking mind is a contracted form of awareness 
So the mind contracts, and in terms of imagery, this the awareness is like the sun, it's open and expansive. And the mind, thinking mind, is more like a spot, like it's contracted and it needs to come down and in and focus. So the mind needs a focus. And the way that we train our minds from young ages, we go to school and we we learn some things and we have, you know, this kind of structured time in our day where we go and explore how to think and we we direct the mind. So the mind's by nature, it's uh, it's endlessly creative. So if you point the mind at something that's interesting to think about it'll just you know create all sorts of uh, realities around what it's looking at so we have uh, mental health problems now because in my opinion we're just looking at too much stuff (laughs) you know like we've got this whole internet reality and um, you know uh, media and surfing webbing and all of that so the mind can be just pulling in so much stuff Mm. and then it's got to make sense of that so the mind's job is to make sense of information process information in order to arrive at an understanding so that's the thinking mind's role so it's like the manager and the analyst it wants answers Whereas the heart's job, which is the ruler of awareness, it's just the observer. It's like, wow, this is interesting. Mm. It's it's above judgment. So it's able to take a look at the whole situation and understand, you know, how all the bits go together and just observe it without needing to make something right or wrong. And most of us have been brainwashed by mainstream education to search for right, wrong, good, bad. So then we're polarizing. So we do this in our worlds. You know, we we look at the Ukraine and we look at what's happening in Iran and, you know, like we go, oh, they're the goodies, they're the baddies. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're just trained to polarize. You know, Trump's bad. You know, so we want to find the baddie and and make the baddie wrong, and then when we have a you know focus on what's wrong, we can we can feel like we've got it right. But the reality is, you know, inside us all, we've got good and evil. We've got truth, and we've got not truth, and we've got negative and positive. So we've got these polarities within us. And when we become more heart-awake and aware, we can just see all that and just notice, oh, okay, my little shadow side's acting out today. It needs a little help to come into a fuller, healthier expression. How can I support it to do that? And in the world today, I I feel like moving into a more heart-based intelligence enables us to become aware of what can I do to nurture this situation, to nurture this person, this relationship, and, uh, you know, create some more balance around what's happening. How can I contribute to to the healing of this situation rather than make someone wrong and I'm right? You know, like, um, it's like, that's the the old power paradigm that's falling over right now. The hierarchical power, yippee! <laughs> do, you, do you see that? Yeah. I mean, like we've heard of that about some systems breaking down. And in, in in the intro, we talked about you talked about you know the breakdown before the breakthrough. Are you, what kind of for those that don't really know what we're talking about? What kind of I don't know if evidence is the right word. What kind of examples can you provide that like that type of thing is happening slowly but surely? Well, I think even the health, what we're, what's happening with healthcare right now, right? So the systems are overrun. The services can't cater to the people that are requiring help. Mm-hmm. So more and more people are, you know, looking at well-being. Well-being is a trending thing and people are recognizing I've got to do some more things to help myself. I can help my neighbor. I can help my family member. 
I can, um, you know, share what I know with the people around me. And that's this thing where we can all be healers. So healing is like, you know, it's about becoming more whole. So when we've got a lot of pressure on us, like we have now in the world around us, our, our splinters show up. We see where we're breaking down and we can see our family members breaking down. We can see our friends breaking down. And we know them as well as we do, so we can sort of honor them and accept them and, and care for them and then also help share, well, you know, this is what helped me. Let me help you try this and see if it's going to help you. So we start to help each other. And I think that the the collective uh, shift that's really going on here that I see is that we're moving away from top-down power structure to more horizontal power structure, going back to more like tribe, community, extended family. Like the, the services are not going to meet the needs of the volumes of people that need and have, you know, have needs for care. But within our own communities, we can sort of, you know, help each other. That's one. And um, I think in the politics, you know, again, there's this recognition that a lot of the leaders aren't that smart. <laughs> you know, like you can look at that and go, okay, is these world leaders, you know, some of these people are leading whole countries and we can see, well, actually, they don't seem to have the capacity to do that job. So am I going to rely on the leader to steer my life or am I going to step up and be a bit more of a leader of my own life? Mm -hmm. Because we have these uh, ways of being within us that are archetypal. You know, every person has an internal leader. Every person has the right to govern their own life until recently. And the fact that we are, you know, losing some of these rights is a real challenge to each and every one of us to take that responsibility back. How do you want to lead your life today and this week and this month? How do you show up in your power and be responsible for your patch and take control of what you can control? So in this tendency to externalize power and put it out into external authorities, we give our power away. And But some people did that willingly, meaning some people, like I imagine it might have been a bit of a relief, like, oh, good, I don't need to make the decisions. I'll just, they, I don't know, just some people just like being told what to do, whereas other people, it really triggered them and their response was to really lean into their own sovereignty. Do some people feel safety in, in that, in the increased levels of... Oh, 100%. You know, not, not everybody's a leader. Mm. You know, and some people have a, you know, internal leader in them that's really strong and they're like, yippee, you know, I love a challenge, off we go, can't wait. Whereas other people want someone else to take that role for them and to get them behind them and back them. You know, they say, this person's got a good idea, I'm going to support them. Mm -hmm. So in terms of archetypes, um, I play with these four archetypes which come from the fourfold way tradition by a, one of my teachers called Angeli Sarian. And she talks about four archetypes. So the, these are common archetypes to all Indigenous people. So one is the warrior. So in contemporary terms, that's the leader. And the leader's role is to show up and choose to be present. So when we show up in our lives and be present with whatever it is and respond to whatever's coming towards us, we're being in a leadership position in our own life. If we are in a situation where um, the external authorities are, are taking the lead on something and and we want to fall in with that, then yes, we go along with that. That's a, that's a wise thing to do because we're being led by someone who has that you know capacity to lead and makes wise choices, and we can back them. And some people will be, you know, wanting to be right up the front with leaders. How can I help you and support you? And some people are right in the back row. They, they don't have that capacity. It's not their natural lane. 
But that other person, they might be, for example, archetypal healer. So the way of the healer is to pay attention to what has heart and meaning. So when we pay attention to what is meaningful for us in any situation and what's important to us in any situation, we're tapping into our own wholeness. We're tapping into our capacity to, you know, take care of ourselves. And some people are more naturally oriented around healing and helping and caring. Some people more naturally oriented around leading. So these times are uh, helping reveal what's underneath. You know, when we have these very stable times when everything about our world is constant, you know, we, we our community systems and structures are stable, the kids go to sports, and we always do this on a Saturday at 2 o'clock, and, you know, we go to work and Monday to Friday and it all looks the same and the people that I work with are doing the same thing and it's all very stabilizing. So a lot of these stabilizing influences have been removed. Mm-hmm. So then there's this, uh, you know, wobbly energy. And then when people are in wobbly energy, you find out what's inside them. We find out what's inside us when we're wobbling. And we also get to, you know, experience more what is important to me. One of the other archetypes is the... um, the way of the visionary and the way of the visionary is to be stay connected to our life dream and purpose and the way that the visionary uh stays connected is by telling the truth so when we tell the truth to ourselves and each other about what we see so this morning when this guy was telling me about um, you know, his friend that had this big hole cut out of his head and, you know, it's just had this tumor and da-da-da. I, I just said, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that in the clinic. Mm. I'm seeing a lot of people who are coming here showing me photos of their, you know, photos of somebody's shingles, which I can't stand. I'm, a, you know, I'm better at a doctor role, not a nurse. I don't like blood. I don't like gore. But I see all these pictures, right? So I shared with him, oh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that. You know, and a lot of these people are um, having unexplained Uh, situations from the last three years what have we done differently in the last three years we've had a whole lot of new medicines put into our body so I'm telling the truth about that I'm not blaming or judging I'm just saying here's what I'm seeing so when we tell the truth to each other about what we see in our experience we paint the picture of, of what's there so we we make the vision of what reality is visible to ourselves and each other. When we look away and we avoid, we can be in denial. So a lot of people are looking away at this time because it's too hard to see. And the psychologists talk about this as cognitive dissonance, which is a fancy term for not seeing. So not seeing And denial is a strategy that we all use to survive life. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the stuff that we have to look at, it's too hard to see, like it's too confronting. So we look away. And that's a choice. You know, you're choosing to show up here on reality radio to point out, hello, let's have a little reality check on our situation. Like, Mm -hmm. let's take a look. Let's see. Let's go into it. But that's the thing. Some people might not know that they're looking away, right? Pardon? Some people might not know that they're looking away. That's exactly right. And and a lot of people don't know they're looking away. So that's what I'm saying. That's the cognitive dissonance. Mm. So people are unaware. They can't see. And maybe they're just not destined to see. They're unaware that they're unaware. Correct. And we're all here for different purposes. You know, we're all here to evolve in different ways and we're all coming in at different level of awareness, not higher or lower, but just different. Some of us are, you know, like really excited by this time. It's like, whoa, viva la revolution. Like things are shifting and changing at last. We've been waiting for this and we want to be part of it. And others are like, what revolution? 
<laughs> but what you, you just know, said is so <laughs> important. You said maybe they're not meant to see. And that is such an, I think, such an open-hearted perspective. Um, and maybe that has, you know, helped you to to navigate this time. And it's a perspective I would love to embrace a little bit more. I would tend to be more a bit more judgy about things. But, you know, maybe, yeah, everyone is everyone's on their own journey. And this is something I do believe, but I, I do have to actually keep reminding myself so that yeah. I try to move out of the judge and move into the heart. Um, and I guess it's more around focusing or learning how to listen to ourselves instead yeah. of trying to get other people to listen to what we, we think <laughs> or listen or, or to see what we see so clearly some people aren't yeah. meant to see. Yeah, that's it. And it's, I, I think for communication to be effective, it's got to be served up in context. So in that situation this morning, this guy's been seeing me a few times. Mm -hmm. He knows me a little bit. Um, you know, he's presenting a medical picture for me to look at. Oh, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. And he's coming to me for help today as part of our clinical appointment. And I'm going, actually, I've been seeing a lot of this. So I'm helping him see, mm -hmm. yep, this is true and you're not alone. And I wonder, did she have many vaccinations? Well, yes, she did. She's a hairdresser. She had to. I'm going, mm, okay. Right? So I'm just saying what I see, yes. but I'm not making him or her wrong. Yes. And that's when we get into trouble because then we create resistance and that polarizing thing. Whereas the heart side view is, is rising up and just seeing, oh, okay, this is happening over here and I can see it could be happening because of this and that, but I don't know for sure, mm -hmm. right? I haven't done the research on that particular person. I don't know for sure. So I'm just, you know, witnessing from a more observing place and that's the consciousness of heart. Yeah. Heart is like neutral, it's accepting, it's like this unconditional loving presence. She's like the queen of our being. She lives inside us and she's always wanting the best for us. And she's been with us since the moment we were born. So as we get to know this part of ourselves and we start to relate to her and connect with her, we feel more accepting of ourselves in our situations. And then we can pass that to others, you know, like it's easier to do that for others if we can do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we go to the, you know, like why do we get into self-critic? Like, again, most of us have been heavily brainwashed to be thinking mind dominant. So thinking mind loves right and wrong, and it doesn't really like wrong. <laughs> so, you know, like that can translate into judgment. You know, you're wrong, you go over there, and I'm right, I'm going to be here on my really nice, high, pretty seat. Yeah. I mean, my I've got a story similar but different <laughs> yeah, to yours great. because I went to the dentist, and it was just a checkup, hygiene uh, checkup, and and she's like, oh, your teeth are really good. And I and I, I guess I wasn't really come from coming from a uh, neutral space. Well, I don't know. I, I just said, oh, well, you know, I haven't um, – oh, I said, no fluoride, please. And she's like, oh, that's fine. We'll give you the baking soda wash. And I said, actually, I haven't used fluoride for about eight years, including tap water. Um, I, and then I go, so there you go. <laughs> so that's me. I can't, you know, I'm not quite the, the, I'm more of, a, I guess, more of the sassy warrior than the, the peaceful, um, but I'm learning. And then I went into, into the dentist afterwards and he commented, oh, your teeth are doing great. And I'm like, yeah. And no, I, and I don't, and I told, thought it would be right to tell him as well. Cause it was a different, you know, different room. Different person. That's, just, I, that, that's exactly it. I guess I'm just planting a seed, but I mean, I don't know. Some people will be like, oh, I'll just say nothing. And I thought, I just said, oh, yeah. And I don't use fluoride and I don't use fluoride either. And he said, oh, but you probably have a good, you probably eat a good diet and have a good hygiene routine. I said, yeah. I, I said, I just eat whatever I want when I want. That's what I said, which is true. I'm very intuitive with my eating, but <laughs> I guess I just, I kind of have this fire inside me to, I don't know, let people know that. I don't know. Like it literally I've I've haven't had fluoride for 8 years and I don't have any more cavities than the average person and I probably have a, a more intuition because my pineal gland is not calcified. But then I get all sassy about it and I want to say just saying at the end of the sentence. 
You want to say what at the end of the sentence? You know that phrase, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. But well, and uh, I don't hear anything too overly judgmental about that. You're just sharing your experience. You're enthusiastic about it. You're not making them wrong. You're just saying, yeah, this really works for me. And I think that's really encouraging. So if we go to the qualities of the heart, like one of the qualities is courage. Mm. When we're heart connected, you know, it's like, the well, of course, because heart. courage is core in French, which means heart. Exactly. So to encourage is a very powerful way of helping people come into their own courage. Like if they're not feeling it, you just kind of gently encouraging and boom, up it comes. So these qualities are inside us. And I think when you um, share your experience, you know, and your light, like we were saying at the start of the interview, why are you doing this? You're, mm. you're doing it to shine the light. So every one of us that shines brightly into the world right now and is sharing what works for us, we're actually helping the people who don't know, like you say, who haven't thought about another way, see another way, you know, another option for them. Because I feel like one of the dangers of this time is making the people who who don't see wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think one of the reasons people don't wake up is shame. People don't like getting it wrong. We've been judged for being wrong. So an important part of our um, coming back into alignment and balance in society and community is, is just accepting, like most of us are doing the best we can at any given time. Most medical professionals that I know are generally there doing it to serve others. And if they knew what they were doing, a lot of them would just be horrified. So it's that not knowing, not seeing, it's it's a, a society disharmony and it's really in our face right now. The abnormal, abnormalizing, no, what is it? Normalizing the abnormal is denial. So we've been normalizing all sorts of abnormal stuff for the last three decades. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to the situation where, boom, overnight, our rights to informed consent, our rights to alternative treatment, our rights to medical privacy, confidentiality, respect, boom, they just disappeared and no one noticed. So gently helping people into seeing is a very powerful way of being a warrior and a leader for this time, but not making them wrong. That's doing further harm. And that, I guess, is the key because it is about connecting the heart and the mind. And if we come from a place of an open heart, then it won't feel like judgment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when with awareness, um, I mean, anxiety, we, we touched on that at the beginning. I um, was introduced to the idea many years ago that anxiety is a quest for meaning. And at the time, I was about to open an acupuncture college. I was in my late 30s. I was living down in Christchurch. And I, I right before I kind of absolutely committed, I had a total freak out. <laughs> thought, oh, my God, can I do this? Like, I just want to do acupuncture. I never wanted to start a college. That's just the path that opened up. And I was having an absolute meltdown about it, and I went and saw one of my healing woman friends, and I said, look, I'm just super anxious about this. I I, I don't think I can do it. And she said, well, it's healthy to be anxious. Anxiety is a quest for meaning. It's a search for meaning. And I was like, Wow. And that idea of anxiety as a quest for meaning, it's its really been a compass for me across the years because I'm a naturally sensitive person and I've come to understand that that's my extra awareness. You know, I have an awareness of what's going on for other people. I have an awareness of the undercurrents in a room and, you know, what might not be being said. So 
That's where I find a lot of um, super sensitive, highly aware people track. You know, they are running some anxiety, which I often describe as like wind on the water. So instead of the water being super calm, there's a little, you know, a little ripple in it. And oftentimes the anxious people are just reading and sensing what others are experiencing. And they're almost, you know, the sensor for them. It's it's like that idea of the canary in the well or the canary in the mine, you know, like the canary gets out because the, the mine's going to blow up. So what's going on in the world right now, like we have this epidemic of anxiety and depression. And if we take a look at that in this context, it's like the anxious people are very aware things are off key. And they are uncomfortable and uneasy. We are. <laughs> One of those people, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uneasy about this. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's insane. That's why. So, you know, taking stuff to calm us down, mm-hmm. that's just pushing what we're sensing and feeling down. And there are other ways of doing that. And for me, a lot of what I do in my clinic every single day is talk to at least one person a day and say, you're okay. The world around you is insane. So Mm -hmm. what you're feeling as upset and disturbed about, you know, you're experiencing that inside you, that's a response to what you're seeing outside of you. A lot of what we're seeing outside us is way out of balance. And uh, feeling uptight about that, stressed, you know, overthinking it. You know, I often say to people, like, overthinking is anxiety. It's all it is. When we think too much, it's the mind not ordered. It's out of order. So trying to make order and understand things that are out of order is too hard for the mind. So the mind overthinks. It's trying to understand. That's its job. So when we don't understand, we can often try and think on it a little harder. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be an answer. In actual fact, no, there doesn't. There's a lot of nonsense with no answers. And in our mainstream culture, we're conditioned to think that we should have an answer to everything and that someone knows. If I don't know, someone above me will know and someone with more degrees will know and authority will know. But Actually, a lot of there's a lot of not knowing in life. That's the deeper truth. <laughs> and is part of the key being okay with the not knowing? Hundred percent. Thank you for saying that, because that's exactly what it is. You know, the in the mystery teachings, they're literally called that. You know, in many uh ancient wisdom traditions, they refer to the mystery. Life is a mystery. There's a lot of not knowing in life. Like every day we go out into the world and there's full of surprises, things that we didn't anticipate and, you know, unexpected things that weren't on the plan. That is that is life. Life is a mystery and it's interactive. And so this notion that it's uh, prescripted and, um, you know, set up by other people, that is what we're all being seduced by at the moment. Like there's this horror going on on the other side of the world and we should all be aware of it. Yes, that's true, but there's always been horrors going on in other parts of the world. Why do we need to give our attention to it when we are uneasy inside ourselves? Like why not give attention to nurturing our own ease? Well, what a refreshing and beautiful new perspective for those that, you know, a lot of people label themselves, right? They're like, I have anxiety and they really own that. Or they say, oh, my child is very anxious. And we've looked at it as a weakness. And what I'm hearing from you is you're really highlighting it as almost a gift. Those people are the super sensitives or they feel things a little more deeply. We as a society, instead of trying to numb them with maybe pills or some products is that we want it's time to listen to those people they're feeling the pulse of humanity 100% i love that you're saying that and they are and you know we're we're dealing with things like social anxiety for example well, what is that it means you just feel a little bit awkward about communicating 
Why are people feeling awkward about communicating? Because mostly we are communicating virtually. You know, we've lost the art of face-to-face communication. So, you know, I grew up in an era where there was no uh, cell phones, you know, in the first 30 years of my life, we didn't have them. So we had to communicate face-to-face and heart-to-heart and we Mm. could sense and feel the person in the room in front of us. Now we can, you know, like lots of people will, you know, change a lifetime relationship and say, oh, I'm not going to be with you anymore over a text. (laughs) You know, so like there's all this uh, disordered communication and people are, you know, they don't know how to communicate about heartfelt things anymore. A lot of people don't know how to do that because they haven't seen it. It's not modeled. And um, we, we need to come back to these simple things like, you know, be with each other, listen to each other, tell the truth, like tune into your own knowing in every single engagement what is important for that person? You know, when they're speaking, something's important. Then you listen up. You give them your attention. And we have this divided attention. You know, we have diseases called attention de- deficit disorder. Like, hello. <laughs> you know, like we can't give attention to something. So it's deficient in attention. So there's a lot of labeling that, uh, orients us towards something's wrong. Mm. And um, what if we undo the label and go, okay, w- what is anxiety? What What is it? It's overthinking. So how do we attend to overthinking? We slow the thinking down. And then we don't have anxiety. So if we manage our thinking and learn to manage our own minds, like we're the one that are think, thinking, you know, my mind's and I'm in charge of it. And to suggest that other substances and people can take charge of our mind, it's crazy thinking to me. I think it's all our responsibilities to learn how to manage our own mind. And this. Uh, disharmony that we have that's so widespread right now, we can turn that around with some very basic things, like just learning to slow down the breathing automatically slows down thinking. Putting your attention in your body automatically slows down thinking. Um, Stabilizing your blood sugar automatically stabilizes the hormones and the thinking. So there are so many basic things that we can all do to help balance our minds. And as a society, uh, this is more critical now than at any other time because, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of brainwashing. And uh, it's, it's a dangerous situation. It is. And a lot of that brainwashing, I mean, there's a lot of information coming at us. And to be fair, a lot of us do go seeking information, like scrolling and consuming in that way. But I think some of us just absorb it. We just absorb it. And other people, it can be very overwhelming. Like you said, the brain, the mind just runs away with things. And so is part of that coming back to self is connecting with our heart and that can help the brain from not running away with all the potential outcomes that we're concerned about. Yeah, and and understanding the difference between the heart mind, you know, so the heart mind as awareness, which as I said in the beginning, it's it's like the sun in the sky. It takes the highest point of view. It sees things from one high. It sees the big picture. And then thinking mind is more like a spotlight. Its job is to zero in on the details, go in and analyze and, you know, process the information and arrive at an understanding. So if the mind is trying to process and analyze too much information, it it gets overwhelmed. So it's like us, you know, sitting down for lunch and spending two hours just continuously eating. We wouldn't do that. The body can't digest all that information, all that food rather. The same is with the mind. Like if we just let the mind consume and consume without discernment, 
the mind will stop being able to digest and process and then it gets muddled. So many people today have very muddled minds. They can't concentrate. They can't focus. They can't turn their mind off at night. That's why they can't sleep. So the solution is to order the mind, straighten it out a little bit. One of the most basic things to do is stop processing so much information, like turn the computer off, stop. I tell all my clients, you know, turn the computer off at seven at night, stop scrolling, stop net surfing, stop pulling all this information into your your mind because, you know, at nighttime in Chinese medicine we have different times of organ activity, so your conscious mind is really kind of low energy at 7, you know, 7 to 9 p.m. So not a good time to be trying to, you know, think about stuff, you know. It's a, more a time to, you know, make love, enjoy, have fun, be with friends, have your dinner, how's your day, you know, like have some cheerful, you know, uplifting, expanding kind of experience. Whereas heaps of people at the end of the day, they're, you know, taking more stuff in and tiring themselves out. So lots of people have mental problems because their mind's tired. It's overworked. So overthinking, the medical label for that is anxiety. Such a such a good reminder. You know, even last week I had my dance fit class. Some of my audience, my audience knows I am not a dance instructor, but I love dancing. It brings me so much joy. And I decided I was gonna run a dance fit class. My kids thought I was joking. Um, and I made a playlist on Spotify <laughs> and I had eight people come and they paid me $10 each. It was so much fun. Awesome. And I and I came home and I thought, oh, I haven't been on tech, you know, other than music, listening to music, but I hadn't been on the tech for hours. And it was such a golden opportunity for me to just go straight to bed. But what did I do? I did get on and scrolled a little bit of Telegram. <laughs> so it's such a good yeah. reminder going, Nat, like you've just had two hours off the tech, like just go with it. Just literally do not yeah. go on the tech, like read my book. Yes. Do some journal journaling. Yes. Yeah. But not anyway. So good reminder. And Yes, for myself and anyone else who cares to take it on board. Yeah. Now, I'd love to ask you, Cameron, some of the questions I ask all my guests. Mm -hmm. What is one thing you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Whatever that means to you. Okay. Well, uh, about maybe three months ago, I found myself getting really irritated and really angry. And my my darling partner was sort of kind of copying some of that. And then I realized this wasn't going to go away. I could realize that I was really trying to birth something new inside me. And um, so I just had to say to him, you know, like, can you go away for a while? <laughs> so um, luckily <laughs> we have Fano down the South Island. And so I bought him a one-way ticket. And he said, well, how long? I said, well, I'm not too sure right now. And so, you know, after two weeks, I said, can I have another two weeks? And he said, okay, you know, okay. So after another one week of that, so three weeks in, I thought, actually, I really need a bigger chunk. So he went away for two months. And I needed to create the space for me. We're at a time in our lives where we can make that happen. And he's uh, fully supports what I'm trying to do in the world, which feels quite big for me right now. And I know that I just needed space for myself. So giving it to me without having a logical reason felt a little bit brave. And um, yeah, that was it. And from doing that, you know, I, I, I know that I've uh, come out of that a different person. And when he came back, you know, I was realizing, okay, I'm going to show up quite differently with my whānau now, like around speaking up about what I'm seeing with vax-injured people and um, urging people not to take any medicines. Like in the past, I've never done that because I think it's their choice. But now I'm really comfortable with recognizing we're poisoning people. And I am very willing to stand up and speak that out. I, I gave a 
talked to a local businesswoman's gathering a few days ago. There's 30 people there, and I found myself saying at the end, don't take that shit. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to take that, but it was just like, no, I, I cannot not speak about what's going on right now. And that feels quite brave for me because um, by nature I'm I'm more um, inclined to just let people go their own way, but I feel like it's a duty of care to say to people, this is not caring, this is poison. Mm. That is very courageous of you. And in this environment, which definitely has softened since a few years ago, um, it is a little safer, but it is still a little bit scary to speak your truth, especially like that. So I commend you. And also I commend your partner, you for asking for the space, him for being okay with it. Um, and I am excited to see what you, what you, you know, what you're bringing to the world. And I know you're bringing, you've already brought amazing things and I'm excited to see what's next. What is on your bucket list? Is there anything specific that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Wow, there's there's tons of stuff. But actually, like a really practical thing for me right now is I self-published a book last year, and I've run 200 copies. It's been really well-received, and it's written as a guide for this time. So it's called Heartfelt Living, an Ancient Wisdom Guide for Healing and Spiritual Awakening. And it's really speaking to this shift in consciousness and an opening and speaking to the situation that we're all in in the world right now. And I would love to get a publisher to to take this book and, uh, yeah, help me take it to the world. Okay. If anyone knows anyone who can help in that department of publishing, getting a book out to the world at a time when we need it more than ever for heartfelt living, um, I know I saw your book the other day when we had the amazing opportunity to connect in real life, which was so beautiful. Um, what is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people follow you? How can they find you? How can they buy the book? Uh, well, I've got um, I've got this course, which I've just put up. I'm just doing a couple more threads. By the time this is aired, it should be all good to go. And that is called Anxiety is a Quest for Meaning. So I've put that up. It's an online course and it's a free resource for people to, you know, reframe anxiety and take a look at it as in the light of extra awareness and how to manage that, being extra aware. And so that's a, an introduction to the other courses that I do. So for a while I was, um, again, as a response to this time, I was doing group coaching courses online, you know, wanting to empower people who are well-being coaches, managers, leaders, teachers, yogis, with some language for, you know, heart-mind connections and how to um, share these teachings. Because I feel that we're in this hard awakening right now, like the the things that are happening that are so intense, they are, you know, really knocking on our doors. Did you and say hard awakening or heart awakening? Heart, heart. Okay, thank you. And it is hard. It's really intense. It's that so Kiwi accent. Sometimes of, it gets me. Yeah, it's it's really intense. There's a lot of emotion surfacing for people because so much of the stuff that we've held down is just bubbling up right now. And, you know, I did an event the other night at a yoga studio and I just said to all the people there, I said, possibly you're going to have some stirrings after this because what I'm seeing in the clinic is people are coming and the lid's off, like anything that was sort of held down and held in. You know, years ago, we might work with people for a year to get to their deep territory. Now, within five minutes, people come to the clinic. First time I've ever seen them, and they're telling me about their deepest stuff because it's all coming up. And that's awesome because it's, you know, when we have a health crisis and we're having a collective one right now, it brings the truth up. And the thing that I know from years of practice is, People don't have much language for their inner life. That's what my teachings are all about, like language for what goes on inside us. And when we have a bit more language, we can share who we are. We can share the truth of what's going on for us. We can connect more meaning deeply with the people around us and, and really say what is so for us, speak our truth. And indigenous traditions, you know, the, the visionary archetype is the, you know, to tell the truth without blame or judgment. So 
making our truth visible is a very, very powerful way of claiming our authentic self. And the voice is the the link between the heart and mind. So when we speak with clarity, when we sing with clarity, we connect the heart and mind and we make ourselves feel stronger. You know, when we're more stronger hearted, we feel more authentic. We're courageous about asking for what we need and honoring what we need and what we know we need deep down. So deep down, we know what's important to us. It's instinctive. But if we're thinking too much, the mind's too busy consuming, you know, what's on Facebook today? See that on Instagram? You know, it's just like, it's so busy consuming. It doesn't have time to be aware of that little quiet voice, which is all the time saying, hey, psst, hey. You really need some time alone. Psst, hey, you really need some time alone. So I was getting that. And fortunately, I, I listened to it and it, giving that to me, it's, it's completely shifted how I'm showing up in the world right now. So we know what we need for ourselves and it's about learning to tune into that knowing and live from that place. We are learning how to do that. How do we find you on Instagram? Website? Yeah, my website is my name, camerontukapua.com. Um, I keep trying to do social media, but <laughs> I'm not so good at it. I don't think you need to. People just, just a place that people can maybe, can they buy your book? Is it somewhere where they can go and it's purchase it? It's on Amazon. Book? Okay. It's on Amazon. Uh, and I really would love to get more print copies and I'm sure there's a publisher out there listening right now. So please contact me. Mm. Love to work with you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's also, I, I've audio recorded it as well. So I'm using, I didn't put the audio version up. I wait till the publisher comes. Um, but I do have audio tracks from the book that are clipped onto all my online courses. So I have quite a few online courses that are, you know, really designed to bring this language to life because I feel that this is social emotional language which is missing. People would love to connect. They'd love to be more connected to themselves, their family, their friends, to be able to speak their truth. But knowing how to do that and having some frameworks for, you know, our true nature unless you've been to yoga or, you know, you've studied some philosophies or things like that, like who knows who they are deep down? Like how do, who shows us how to access that and, um, you know, communicate that? Most of us haven't had much guidance around that. And lucky for me, I found Chinese medicine age 21, so I was pretty young. And then um, alongside I studied yoga and then alongside that, I've been studying indigenous wisdom teachings. So my teachings pull from those three traditions. They're all ancient, they're time-tested, and best of all, they're simple. Like this world and the problems seem complex, but the solutions are very simple. Mm. I think that is going to be music to our ears. You guys can find Cameron, Cameron Tukapua. I'm going to spell it for you, C-A-M-E-R-O-N. T-U-K-A-P-U-A dot com. Yes. Yep. That's it. Brilliant. And we we'll put the link also on the replay page, um, which is going to be on realitycheck.radio. And you can find the links there if you're listening to the replay. Now, I would just love to know, is there anything else you want to share with our beautiful audience before we wrap things up? Yeah, I'd like to... Uh, encourage everybody to be aware that, you know, at some level what's going on right now is meant to be. We're experiencing a breakdown in order to, you know, shift to a massive breakthrough. Things in nature do that. So, you know, trees fall and make compost and compost the ground and new plants grow. So we're in a, a very exciting time of rapid transformation. We've never known a time like this before. And to trust and know that you're in the right place, the people you're with are the people you need to be with, whatever's happening is what needs to happen. And to just show up, you know, show up to your day, tell the truth, um, you know, pay attention to what's important to you and the people around you and 
connect by by listening and you know cups of tea and just take your time slow down oftentimes when we're going through a crisis we can feel like we have to speed up to match the crisis but it's the opposite you know integration and synthesizing a shift is takes the longest time so allowing ourselves space and time to to be is really important right now and to know that, you know, behind all of this, there's a grand plan. We're all in it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at some level, it's it's unfolding as it needs to be. So I often start my, my classes and sessions with a, a mantra. And I'm going to close the session with this now. And, and the words to this mantra literally mean this is perfect, that is perfect. If you take the perfect from the perfect, only the perfect remains. So at some level, all is in order, all is well, and all is one. And when we hold that awareness in our own experience, in our own day, in our own families, in our own communities, we start to create that and, and pull that into being. Whoa. Purna Yate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamuda Chayate Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So connect with us today.